Are you ready to receive? Yes. This is going to go quick. Okay. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Lift your hands towards heaven and say, Father God, Father. give me ears to hear. Ears to In Jesus' name. I'm going to start out with a story. Uh, this is a gentleman by the name of Ted Stollard. This is a true story, by the way. And uh, this young man, he was turned off by school. Is there anybody in this place that didn't like school? This guy didn't like school. Kids, school's starting up again. I hate to tell you that, but you still got time yet to enjoy summer. He was very sloppy in his appearance. He was expressionless. He was unattractive. And he was slow. Oftentimes, he would simply sit in class and just stare off into space, unresponsive, which was an irritation to his teacher. Ms. Thompson enjoyed bearing down with her red marker. How many remember those red marks from your teacher on your papers? I dreaded seeing those red marks. Amen. If only she had studied Ted's school records more, she would have read that in first grade, it said, Ted shows promise with his work and attitude, but he has a poor home situation. Grade two, his teacher wrote this in his record. Ted could do better. Mother seriously ill, receives little help from home. In third grade, she read, Ted is good. He's a good boy, but too serious. He is a slow learner. His mother died this year. Fourth grade, Ted is very slow but very well behaved. His father shows no interest whatsoever. Well, Christmas arrived and the children, you know, they piled all these elaborately, beautifully uh, wrapped presents on Miss Thompson's desk. Ted brought one too. It was wrapped in a brown paper bag that had stains on it. It was all wrinkled. It wasn't pretty at all, with a whole bunch of scotch tape just to keep it all together. Ms. Thompson opened each gift as the children crowded around to see, what did she get? What did she get? I hope she likes what I brought her. Out of Ted's package fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half of the stones missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The children began to snicker, but she immediately silenced them. And she splashed some of that perfume on her wrist, and she began to smell it and make a big deal about it. At day's end, after the other children had left, Ted came by the teacher's desk and said, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mother, and your bracelet looks really pretty on you. I'm glad you like my presence, he said. And he left. Miss Thompson, that at that very moment, after he left, she got down on her knees and she asked God to forgive her and to change her attitude. The next day, the children were greeted by a reformed teacher. She was completely wrecked by that and she was so reformed. She committed to forgiving and loving each one of them, especially as if they were her own, especially the slow ones, especially Ted. Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, Ted began to show great improvement. He actually started to catch up with most of his other classmates. He even passed a few. Graduation came and went, and Ms. Thompson heard nothing from Ted for a very long time. Then one day, she received this note. 
which read, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I will be graduating second in my class. Love, Ted. Four years later, after another note arrived, Miss Thompson read this and it said, Dear Miss Thompson, they just told me I'll be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to know, be the first one to know. The university has not been easy, but I liked it. Love, Ted. Four years later, she receives yet another letter that read, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stollard, M.D. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mother would have sat if she were alive. You are the Every time I get to this part, I, I start to weep. You are the only family I have left because my father passed away last year. Love, Ted. Ms. Thompson attended that wedding and sat where Ted's mother would have sat. The forgiveness and the compassion that she had shown, the forgiveness and compassion that she loosed or permitted that day, when she decided to silence the other children's snickers and embrace the imperfect gift that was wrapped in that gaudy brown soiled paper bag. Because this boy named Ted was in search of love. He was in search of someone to heal his aching heart. Don't ever, 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 ever underestimate the things that you do for others that it doesn't have an impact in their lives. This teacher, who was so quick to judge the slow, the unattractive, the sloppy, the messy. Because on that day, she made the choice to change her attitude. It changed this young man's life for all eternity. The importance of forgiveness. <laughs> I'm thoroughly convinced the number one underlining cause of all wounded and infected and or infected hearts, which leads to all manifestations of sin. It doesn't matter what the sin, in, sin is. It doesn't matter. But it all comes down to this, this issue of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, Apostle Maldonado, I remember him saying many times, it's a poison. Harboring unforgiveness and woundedness and bitterness in our hearts because of life's tragedies. Because people treated us in a wrong way, said a wrong thing. We lose a parent when we weren't expecting that parent to leave our lives. And it doesn't have to be death. It can happen because of divorce or whatever the, the case may be. But we have to make a choice. Unforgiveness is a poison. 
And it's the whole reason why Jesus came to the earth. He suffered and he died and he rose again on that cross. His blood sacrifice offered forgiveness to all, to all sins. No matter what the sin is, his blood came to cover every sin, every sickness, every disease, every bit of poverty. You understand his blood has encompassed everything that kept people away from enjoying a loving Everlasting relationship with Father God. You know, when you think about it, it's really what deliverance is, isn't it? Deliverance is a complete removal of the tap root of whatever it is that causes woundedness in our hearts to be delivered and set free where there isn't a care at all, at all in your life. Yes, life, sometimes there's challenges. There are always challenges. But I mean, there aren't, they're not things that, that uh, uh, keep you hindered or keep you held back in the past. Amen. Jesus, for him, forgiveness and healing, they're one and the same. Did he not say in Mark chapter 2, verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know, that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Hmm. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, has power to not only heal the brokenhearted, but to forgive the brokenhearted. You and I, we just celebrated communion. We're a joint heir with him. We too have that same ability in Christ. Amen. Amen. To forgive those that have wounded us and to bring healing to them. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. You know this scripture. Jesus had just had his encounter. This 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit. Uh, uh, for all of that, he had his confrontation with the devil. He comes back in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. He then goes to the synagogue, and he opens up the scripture. What scripture did he turn to? No other than Isaiah. He stood up and he read this in Mark chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, these are the things that are going to happen in our lives. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord is to proclaim jubilee over someone. Which means anything that you lost in a prior season is given back to you. And all of your debts are paid in full. Amen. Jubilee. Jesus came to give us jubilee. Amen. When Jesus sent out his 12 apostles, what did he say? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. And when he had called, verse 1. His 12 disciples to him. He gave them power. What did he give them? Power. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Let's move down to verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, 
Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you preach the kingdom of heaven is is at hand, this is what's released. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you just need to keep it to yourself. What? Freely you have received, freely you give. Amen. So we see that the same thing that happened with Jesus as the Spirit came upon him is the same thing that he's expecting from us when the Spirit has come upon us. Amen? We all know that in and above ourselves, we can't, we can't heal a little gnat. Right. We can't deliver a little ant. We can do nothing in and above ourselves, but with the power and the anointing of the Holy One of Israel inside of us, let me tell you something. We are powerful. Amen. We are a force to be reckoned with. Amen? Yeah. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, how much authority? All All authority, okay, has been given to me. Who has it been given to? Jesus. All authority has been given to Jesus, where? In heaven and in earth. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you just sometimes. Lo, I am with you just when I feel like it. Lo, I am with you only when you go to church, when you read your Bible. Listen to this one carefully. Take note of this. When you're nice to your pastor. Okay, no. He says, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Jesus will never leave us. Jesus is always with us. Amen. Amen. And in, verse, in Matthew 16, verse 19, he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, because where does he have authority again? All authority is given to him in what? Heaven and earth. He says, whatever you bound in heaven will... Uh, Whatever you bind on earth, excuse me, will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Now, as I told you two weeks ago, when I had the privilege of of, of presenting the message, it seems like it's been forever since I preached. And you're saying, that's good. No. (laughs) So, uh, I told you that binding and loosing is more than just saying, I bind you, devil. I loose you, angels. I command you, angels, do this. Do that. Snapping our fingers, bind, bind. Bind and loose, right? Yes, we use it in spiritual warfare. I'm not saying that we should never say that phrase, but it's just like praying in the name of Jesus. What does it mean to put that tag on the end of our prayers? In the name of Jesus, amen. It's more than just a phrase. It's more than just words, but it's a lifestyle. It's a positioning in faith in your heart. When you say those words, That's when they mean something. Binding and loosing is a biblical principle that Jesus has given us in the New Testament. He came to bring the kingdom. And with the kingdom, there are keys to access the kingdom. Amen? I told you in this house 
this church, there's more keys than Fort Knox. It takes a key to open this door and a key to open that door, and you better have the right key. If you put the wrong key in, guess what? You're not going to have access to that room and what's inside that room. Beloved, Jesus has given every one of us everything that we could possibly ever need or want. There is absolutely no deficit. There's no lack. There's no poverty. There's no sickness. Come on. He's given us everything that we need. Amen. The problem is we have to access it with the right key. Because if you don't access it with the right key, you're not going to be able to enjoy what's in that room. If you don't access it with the right key, you're not going to enjoy everything that the kingdom of God has for us. Amen. I've been telling you God's doing a new thing. Whoops. Well, that was pretty powerful. I won't try that again. But in Isaiah 43, verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love what Brittany shared today with the offering. That God has commanded certain people to bless you, to bring increase into your life. It's not that person. That person is a vehicle in which God is going to bring that blessing to you. Amen. God's doing something new. But if we stay in the old mindset, we're going to miss the new. We have to get in to that new mindset, which is accessing the kingdom with a brand new key. And the new thing that God's doing is he's bringing us into this full maturity as a son, as a daughter of God. Because the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're not to be tossed back and forth again without any direction. He's given us the fivefold office, ministry offices, to mature us, to shape us, to get us into the place where we can be effective in our ministry for the kingdom of God. And so that's what he's doing. He's doing something totally new, totally new. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up, big boy or big girl. No, don't talk, call him big. Just say, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. <laughs> oh, shoot, that was really a mess. You're, you're all beautiful. You're all, you're all the right size. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'll just say move on. All right. So the main key the Lord has impressed upon my heart to grow up in our full expression of Jesus Christ, the hope of our glory. You want to know what that key is? It's forgiveness. You should write that in bold letters if you're taking notes. The main key in this hour is grabbing a hold of forgiveness. The Lord spoke this to my heart this morning as soon as I got out of the shower. He said this. I had to write it down as soon as I could. He said, the degree in which we are able to receive and release forgiveness is the degree in which we will receive and release the kingdom of God in us. The degree in which we're able to receive and then release forgiveness is the same degree in which we are going to receive and release the kingdom of God inside of us. God is cleaning us up. He's shaking us up. Yesterday afternoon, I'm telling you, 
I'm sitting there just doing my stuff, and then I was going to sit down and start putting together some thoughts for today's message. And once you know, all of a sudden, all of these toxic thoughts started flooding my soul. Why are you doing this citywide thing? You know these pastors have hurt you in the past. They're going to hurt you again. Why are you reaching out? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Oh, now you're thinking of having even a Sunday morning where you all come together. That is the most stupid thing. Why are you doing this? These are the th I'm telling this as an illustration to you. Teresa comes downstairs. How are you coming on your message? I said, don't talk to me. She walks out of the office. <laughs> Wake up, church. The devil, we've hit a nerve. He doesn't want you healed. He doesn't want you delivered. He doesn't want you set free. He wants you to stay impotent. He wants you to stay in a place of despair. He wants you just to maintain, just to maintain. But you know, in the kingdom of God, there's no maintenance. You're either going forward with God or you're backsliding. Binding and loosing, the degree in which we're able to receive and release forgiveness, the degree in which we're able to loose and permit forgiveness from Father God to come in our hearts. We put conditions on God. God, I know you can forgive me because of this one thing, but these other things I just don't know. Well, I don't do that. Oh, you don't. I'll forgive that person when they start showing that there's some real remorse in them and then I'll forgive them. No. The things in the kingdom of God have been freely given to us, freely. We have, they've been received freely. We, we must give them back out. Amen. Binding and loosing, what does it mean? Again, as review, to bind something is to tie it up, to restrain it, to declare unlawful, to prohibit or forbid. When's the last time you looked at your situation that you didn't like and you said, I forbid you from existing in me anymore? Amen. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and you said, listen, what you are, what you are trying to define me as, I am not going to receive it. I forbid you. From lying to me and saying that I'm not going to be healed, that I'm not going to be delivered, that this is just my lot in life and I just have to accept it. So you need to understand something. In the kingdom of God, we have a thing called a free will. God will never violate our free will. We choose what we're going to permit or loose, or we choose what we're going to bind or forbid. What we are today is what we've allowed yesterday. We know this. We've heard this many times. We're, we're people of faith, aren't we? To lose something means to release it, to declare lawful or to permit. To lose the forgiveness of God means, Lord, I receive the fullness of, of the forgiveness that you have for me. 
I'm not going to hold on to that, that sin anymore. I'm not going to hold on to that offense anymore. I, I, I just refuse to. And I'm going to allow you to just do your complete work in me. These two terms, of binding and loosing, only appear in the New Testament, and they only are found in the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, and Matthew 18, verse 18. And as I told you two weeks ago, when we look at these two passages of Scripture and we read them in the context in which they appear, we discover the true application of this biblical principle that Jesus has given us in the New Testament church. In Christ now, binding and loosing, number one, has to deal with the discipline of us, the discipline of the disciple. That's found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. I'm not going to go there. We talked about it two weeks ago. The second time binding and loosing is found, it's in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, and it has to deal with building up the church and building up the kingdom of God inside the heart of the disciple. Amen. Turn with me there to Matthew chapter 16. Starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, the other Jeremiah, or one of the the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As we read that, we see a few things. We see, number one, the Messiah, Jesus. Number two, we see the building of the church. Number three, we see the kingdom of heaven mentioned. And we see number four, keys. When Jesus talks about binding and loosing in this context, he is talking about building his church. In other words, adding souls to the kingdom. He's, God, and he's also talking about building the kingdom, his influence inside each and every one of our hearts. Because how many of you know when the influence of Jesus gets bigger inside of us, the natural reaction is the church is going to grow. All you need is one person in a local church that's super on fire for God, and the church will start to grow. You just need one person that's so alive to Jesus Christ, and so full of Jesus that it becomes contagious and it starts affecting people around their sphere of influence. Can you imagine what would happen? And I love you guys, and I'm not scolding anybody, and I'm not saying you're not where you need to be, because listen, God's working on me too. But if all of us were red hot on fire for God, not even all the time, but a majority of the time, what impact would we have? Selah, just think about that. Hmm. 
You know, it begins with our heart inside. And in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, the scripture says, but what does it say? The word is near you. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's in your mouth, number one. And number two, it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you, number one, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and then number two, what? Believe. You believe. You have faith in. You have confidence in. You have trust in. You're fully convinced of it. You acknowledge it. You rely on this. In your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now remember this verse, because it's very foundational in releasing the fullness of the kingdom of heaven in our lives, and to bring the fullness of salvation to other people around us. Think about it when you first learned how to drive, and your dad took the keys out of his pocket, and he threw them at you. Maybe he just handed them to you, okay. Maybe he handed them as he's shaking, giving them to you. <laughs> but nonetheless, he gives you the keys. How did you feel? And as a believer in Christ, when we give our heart to Jesus and the kingdom of God starts coming alive inside of us, we have the keys of God's kingdom inside of us. It's where the transformation begins. And at the foot of the cross, Jesus personally comes to each and every one of us. He's knocking on the door of our hearts and he's saying, son, daughter, okay, who do you say that I am? But Father, you don't understand what I'm going through. I got this person, my next door neighbor, and he's such a jerk, and he's just, and God's saying, son, who do you say that I am? But my body is failing me, and I don't know if I can, I can deal with this sickness anymore. And, you know, God is sympathetic towards your situation. He understands what you're going through. But in this hour, Father God is knocking on the door of your heart, and he's saying, son, daughter, but who do you say that I am? Because Peter identified that Jesus is the Messiah, which means the anointed one, then Jesus tells Peter that on this revelation now, I can start building something. On that revelation now, I can start building and bringing that healing to you. I can bring that miracle to you. I can start showing myself faithful to you. Is there anybody in this house that wants to live? Well, then let's get excited about what Jesus has done. And answer that question when he speaks to your heart. Who do you say that I am? Now I could have sat there all day yesterday moping. And kicking myself. The dogs are already scared of me. They were shaking the other day. That's a long story. But anyway. And I love them. Okay. But, but, But the thing of it is. The devil's trying to throw everything in the kitchen sink at us. He's trying to keep us down. He's trying to keep us in a place where we have no influence whatsoever in this world. Do you realize you have more influence and more power inside your little pinky than all of the kingdom of darkness and the devil himself? 
who do you say that I am? I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on this earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm speaking about that to you, beloved. This is about you. I've been taking you through the process and I've been disciplining you to get your mind where it needs to be. And now I want to bring more of my kingdom to you. And can I tell you something? God's not going to let up. Because he loves you too much. He loves me too much. He wants more for us. The key to the kingdom is the person of Jesus Christ. He's our forgiver. He's our savior. He's our master. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's the lover of our souls. Even when everybody else walks away from us, he is still there. The question is, church, are we presenting uh, through the way we live the full representation of Jesus Christ to this world? Do we consistently as a way of life demonstrate Jesus? Have we become so one with him that when we open our mouths, do they hear the voice of Jesus to the point that their hearts are convicted and they want more of what they're hearing? When they gaze upon us, do they see, see the face of Jesus? Because we've been in the presence of Jesus. We've been beholding him. Do they see the tranquility, the joy, and the excitement? Do they see that can-do glint in our eye? I don't, I mean, we can be beaten up a little bit, but do they see that can-do glint in our eye, warrior of God? When the world comes near us, do they feel the tangible presence of Jesus? Do they smell the amazing fragrance of his grace and mercy? Hurting, depressed, stressed out, maxed out, and wore out, broken, and despondent people could care less about how many books we've authored That's right. and how many blogs we've written. Do they see Jesus. Do they hear Jesus? Do they know that when they leave your presence, they've had an encounter with Jesus? When the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached in word and deed and demonstration, those who receive Jesus are given access to the kingdom. They're loose now to come into the kingdom. They're permitted to come into the kingdom. Amen. We were talking on Friday, the leaders of this tent meeting, we were talking about when to give the altar call. And it's like, man, let's just let the Holy Ghost just do it. Why do we, I mean, yeah, you know, have certain, we have certain people that are get, give it. I know you got to prepare. But let's just be open. Maybe the Holy Ghost just wants the altar call right, right in the beginning. Maybe the, the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the love in that house, because the love in our hearts, because we know that Jesus is the only way is so strong that people just come running to the altar. They can't stay in their seats. I dream for that day. I'm looking for that day. The church is built upon this very thing, the kingdom of God. Upon the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, the church is built, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when you look at the context in which binding and loosing is, is, is listed, 
it's more than just spiritual warfare. It has to do with the d- discipline of our hearts, and it has to do with the building up and the development of our hearts. God wants to expand his influence. I'm finishing, you guys. Just hang with me. God wants to expand his influence, his kingdom in this world. And I know, I said to Teresa, I said, this is all I ever preach. They're getting tired of hearing me preach the same message every week. I could just have the same notes and just put a different sermon title on it because it's the same message because this is what the Spirit of God is saying. He wants his influence. He wants his kingdom. He wants people to experience his love, his acceptance. He he does not want them to have to go through the filter of our stupid religion, which binds people. Because of our unique position as sons of God, God honors every judgment you and I make. As I told you, he's given us a free will. Jesus said, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Our judgments are how we bind and loose things. And in Romans 10.10, we read, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God will not take our judgments from us. To do so would to undermine our position that he's given us in Christ. Instead, he wants us to change our judgments to the ones that agree only with him. Amen. He wants us to confess the wrong judgments and repent of them. And that's why if it seems like hell right now, it's because God wants you to deal with that hell and get rid of it. Don't hang on to it anymore. Just don't cohabitate with it anymore. Don't put up with it anymore. You don't have to. What did he say? He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance means change the way you think because judgments uh, uh, form the foundation on how we think. What we bind, what we loose, what we permit, what we forbid to dwell on determines who we are. I believe we are to repent by turning ourselves towards God and only him. Throwing ourselves at the foot of the cross all the time. For too long, many of us in the body of Christ have been doing our own Christian walk without God. You say, I would never do that. But I think sometimes we have. And the new thing he's doing in this hour is he's inviting us to a very strong, unchangeable, unyielding union with him where it revolves around selecting that main key to binding and loosing to allow him to fully forgive us and for us to walk in full forgiveness towards others. That truly is the key. If you didn't get anything out of this whole thing, I hope it made some sense. It's that in a nutshell. That's what God's doing right now. And so for me, as I told you before, joining up with these other churches, it's such a risky thing for me. Because I've been down that road. I've done this rodeo many times. And it seems like I always come out on the wrong end. So for me to say, okay, this is going to be different now, it's hard for me to get past that. I'm just being vulnerable with you. But yet to continue what God wants to do, I have to get past that. To continue what God wants to do in your life, you have to get past that too, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. God knows. 
Because you know what? There are a lot of Ted Stollards out there. There are a lot of, we come in contact with them every day. Right? We see them all the time. We might not see the hurt that's really inside of them. They may wear a mask to cover up that invisible pain. But nonetheless, it's there. And you and I are the ones that hold the key to see them released and set free. Now next week, depending on what happens, if I'm preaching next week or not, because I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I'm going to continue this. And what I'm going to talk about is we're going to look at the life of Joseph at everything that he went through. And there were seven indicators that he came to that place of receiving full forgiveness and being able to release full forgiveness. So get ready for that next time I'm back. I'm up here, okay? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Stand with me real quick. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. We are so amazed at the wonderful work you're doing in each and every one of us, my God. It always comes down to that question where you speak to each one of us individually. And we're listening carefully now as you give us this question, Lord, personally. And you're saying to us this morning, who do you say that I am? If you never came to that place of accepting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I know all of you in this house. Today is the day of salvation. If you have made Christ the Savior of your life, but you haven't given him full lordship of your life, and you know it, today is the day for you to do that. If you're watching by way of internet, question is posed to you too. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? On the count of three, if you want to give your heart to Jesus for the very first time or if you want to recommit your heart to him and make him Lord of every area of your life. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand nice and, nice and high. One, two, three. Well, that blesses my heart that everybody's in the right place with him. Well, Father, bless each one. Continue to speak to all of our hearts, my God. We want all of you and none of us, none of us and all of you. Lord, we thank you for this outreach this coming weekend. Lord, we know there's going to be much fruit, and we give you all the glory for it. We plead the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus over every aspect of it, from the setup right down to the teardown and everything in between. <coughs> we love you and we consider it a great privilege and an honor to be a part of this, what you're doing. We love you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.